Hey, super great to see you. We are starting a new series today called The Big Ten, The Path to Spiritual Maturity. And I'm going to refer to this little handout later, but if you did not get one of these on the way in, in the bulletin, lift your hand and an usher will give you one now. I want everyone to have one. Husband, wife, everyone, make sure you get one. You got a teenager, get one. And uh, we're going to be referring to this later on. But uh, as we start a new year, how many, how many can say there's just a sense that, man, I want my spiritual life to be focused and right. I want to be on the right path. I want to be doing the right thing in life. And one of the ways that we encourage and help you to do that is in our daily Bible reading. And what we're doing in the month of January, and I particularly want to appeal to you that may not read your Bible very often. Uh, it's the best habit I know. Uh, I've been a Christian 40 years. I'm not perfect, but I have, uh, I, I've never backslidden and never walked away from God. I have the same wife that I started with, and uh, I'm headed to finish strong. And I tell you why. It's because I have a daily time with God. I read my Bible and I pray. And, and you can see this on the screen. We have a church app. You can download it. Just go to the store, Church on the Rock, Texarkana. You got to put Texarkana in there. And on the bottom right-hand corner, you click Bible Guide, and that's what come up. For example, on Friday, January 7th, we read Proverbs chapter 7. And if you want to read a New Testament, read along too, but at least read one chapter. And January has 31 days, Proverbs has 31 chapters, and I promise you, if you'll set yourself reading a chapter of the Bible a day, it will make a huge difference, and Proverbs is one of my favorite books. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, I'll make a confession. Uh, I'm uh, in my 60s now, and current fashion doesn't appeal to me as much as it did when I was in my 20s. Uh, I've got a closet full of clothes. I like them. They're, they're in good shape. I, I, I like them. I like my look about them. I don't change very often. But I may be setting a new fashion trend today that could be picked up on in the world. And I want to show you what it is. You know, I've shown you this already, if you can hone the camera in here. But my socks have pictures of my two grandsons on them. Okay? And, and that's not new. But here's where the trend starts. I have a pink sock today. And it's my granddaughter, Mia. And uh, so if you happen to see a hip-hop artist or a rapper and they're wearing colored socks like this with kids on them, know that it didn't start in Hollywood. It started in Texarkana, USA. Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, that's a little bit of fun. Turn your Bibles. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. The last few words of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, arguably the greatest message the world has heard. Chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, Jesus gave what many historians call the foundation of Western civilization. And uh, it's where we get our views on justice, uh, marriage, forgiveness, judgment, so many other things. But uh, here's what Jesus said, how he closed the passage. Jesus said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is what? wise. He's like a person who builds his house on a solid rock. Verse 25, though the rain comes in torrents. It's pretty good, wasn't it? And floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house. It won't collapse because it's built on a rock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. They're like a person who builds a house on the sand 
The rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house and it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now, if Jesus was talking to builders today, uh, he would say, listen, when you build your house, you've got to dig footings and put concrete and steel rebar in those holes. Uh, One of the most amazing things when we remodel the building is when we put the front to overhangs, and they're not very big, but the little rain overhangs out front. We had to have an architect and had to have an engineer, and it took time. But the engineer said, you got to dig a hole this big, and it's got to go down four feet, and you got to put this much steel in it and concrete just to hold the roof up. And as they did that, they said, basically, listen, the wind's not going to blow this place down. We are building it to last. Well, conversely, let's say if you are, uh, let me show you a couple pictures here. Uh, Picture on the left, uh, people that live in California. Now, this is a beautiful home, and I've got to say, the contractor, the builder did a great job of making it hold together. The only problem is he built it on a mountain that was built on dirt, and he didn't have a foundation that reached down the bedrock. And when the floodwaters came, it fell away. Now look at the house, and this is possibly a church on the right. Look at those, those waves. And you've got to imagine the waves get higher. They probably even sometimes splash against it, but it stands. And the reason it stands is because its foundation is on a rock. Now lay that picture up just a moment because Jesus is not talking to general contractors. He's talking to people like you and I about how we build our life. We either build a life on Christ, on the words of God, on God's ways. It'll be rock solid. It'll stand when trouble comes. Because how many know trouble is all around us? But yet, if we build our house on sand, for example, if you just, have you ever pitched a, a pup tent or a tent you're going to spend the night somewhere and you didn't drive stakes in the ground and you put it up and a wind gust came and it just blew it away? Well, that's what will happen to our lives if our foundation is not right. And what I, this foundation, the word that I'm going to use is spiritual maturity. It is spiritual roots that go down deep in God that help us maintain the storms. And I'm starting a new series today called The Big Ten. It is the path to spiritual growth. I have been a pastor for over 40 years. I've seen some things. I've watched people. I've looked at other pastors. I've watched some stand strong through life, and I've watched some fall away. And what this Big Ten is about, it's about a series of proven principles. It's about daily disciplines. It's about regular patterns of life that if you will embody and employ in your life. It is about experience that the Bible teaches us that it will have as a part of our life. That if we will make these a part of our life, we will build a rock-solid foundation to stand strong against the storms of life. I'm not going to just give you do A, B, C, D, but I'm going to weave in issues of the heart. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit in our relationship with him, but I guarantee you this, I think, will be a blessing to you. Now, today in this introductory message, I'm going to talk about this idea of spiritual maturity, and I'm going to first share some personal comments about the shaking that's going on in the world today, Uh, the trouble, the storms that are blowing. And then I'm going to give you, number two, um, a biblical basis for this concept of maturity, of growing up as Christian people. And then lastly, I'm going to try to give you some motivation, the advantage of spiritual maturity in your life. So let's begin today, and I'm going to endeavor to teach you that if you'll be a spiritually mature believer, you'll not only survive the storms of life, but you're going to thrive in the middle of them. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good, a good hand today. 
Now, turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, and let me first give you kind of, I'm going to call it a pastoral analysis of the world, of our culture, about what's going on in America today. I'm going to talk about COVID in just a few moments. But I want to share some things that I believe that God is doing in the midst of all this. I believe in the world in which we live, God is allowing the world to be shaken with COVID and other calamities that spill out from it. And the purpose is to draw people to him. Because if you have health and a measure of wealth, you can live like you don't need God. Come on now, if you're healthy and the car works, you got gas and that card works, you can live it, you can do whatever you want to do. But you take those things away and you become aware of your need and your need in particular, your need for God. But uh, let me share again some personal thoughts. You evaluate, judge it, and decide on your own. But Hebrews chapter 12, the book of Hebrews is primarily written to a Jewish audience. And you'll find many references to Old Testament practices. But uh, the writer says this, and he's talking about Moses. He says, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. Now, you remember the picture? We've got all these Israelites, perhaps a couple million, wandering across the wilderness. They get to Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments. Moses goes up the mountain. This mountain is shaking. There's an earthquake that's there. And the Bible says God's voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Now, hear what the Bible says. Once again, God says, I will will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. And this means all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Now, what does that mean? You may not have ever heard this in the Bible, but it is clearly taught, particularly in the book of Peter and the end of the book of Revelation, is that one day God will destroy the earth, he will destroy the heavens, and create a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be a recreation I fully believe that Christians should care for our planet, but not worship the planet. I mean, the planet is not eternal. God is eternal. And what this scripture says is God's kingdom is eternal. God's kingdom will outlast this. When the destruction comes, the utter destruction and judgment of the creation, God will still be standing. His people will still be standing. The rule of God will be imminent. And one day there will be a recreation. Now, you explore that in in, uh, Peter if you're interested, but I want to keep going because we're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him, which simply means you and I are a part of something with God that no matter what happens in the world, we can still be standing strong because of Christ. No matter how, how strong the storm is, no matter how much adversity comes across our pathway, we're part of an unshakable kingdom. Now, let me go deeper with this. Haggai chapter 6, and this is the foundation for my belief in the modern-day shaking. Haggai 6, this is where the writer was quoting. He says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth. Well, that's what we just quoted. But now look at verse 7. God says, I will shake all nations. Who are nations? Nations are not buildings. Nations are people. I will shake all people. Why? So the treasures of the nations will come in. This is not just the silver and gold. The greatest treasure is the people. The treasure will come in and it will fill this house with glory. God's house, God's church, God's temple, God's kingdom. 
will be filled with glory, says the Lord of hosts. So what does this mean in the context of today? God is shaking the world through COVID. He is shaking the world through other things, but his purpose is to cause people to turn to him. His purpose is to make people realize that we cannot, we are not depending on the Walmart truck. Come on now. We're not depending on the Sam's truck to make its appearance. We are depending ultimately on God Almighty to be able to take care of us. Now, let me throw one more thing out that I, I believe and you judge. Uh, Texarkana made the national news not too long ago. Did anybody actually see a fish on the ground? Wave your hand at me. Look around. Some people did. I didn't see any in my house. Did you pick them up and eat them? Mm. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think maybe this was just a weather phenomenon? That it was just something that happened and, wow, you know, that'll never happen again? Or could that have been a sign from God? I wonder, when Jesus told Peter, you're no longer going to fish for fish but I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I wonder if this is perhaps a sign that in the shaking of the earth, that God is going to shake the foundations of the pride, of the pride of people, and he's going to be able to cause people to flow into his house, that people will come to him in multitudes, and it'll have a supernatural element to it. Listen, I believe this is what's coming. COVID is not over. Listen, there's more sickness in our community now than since it started, but how many know God is still God? We can believe that God will reset this thing, and we can believe that our God will bring many people into the kingdom because of it. Now, with that background in mind, this shaking, just as there are earthquake swarms, and these earthquake swarms are often precursors to larger earthquakes, I believe this COVID is shaking people to awaken them from their need for God. Because here's what we're learning. Our best efforts as mankind are not enough. Everything the virologists have done, everything the scientists, everything the doctors try to do, they're good. And listen, I'm for them. I pray for virologists. I pray that they would be able to develop medicine and vaccines that would be able to cure this thing, but they haven't. I pray that governments would make wise decisions, but I want to tell you, friends, this thing is bigger than the capacity of man. It's bigger than masks, mandates, tests, quarantines, and vaccines. And let me tell you why I say this. I'm going to picture there's a research station in Antarctica. Now, you would think if there was a place that the ingenuity of modern man could protect the people from COVID. And that's the, been basically the approach so far, is we'll protect you from it. It was the platform Mr. Biden ran on. He'll make it go away, but now he's realized he can't. A research station in Antarctica, they're battling a COVID outbreak. 11 of the 33 people work. Now think about this, Antarctica. They don't have Walmarts in Antarctica. Come on now. Antarctica, 11 of 33 tested positive. Now, I want you to listen to what happened, how they tried to protect the, protect the people from it. There was a group coming from South Africa to this station in Antarctica. But before they got to South Africa, they had to have a negative COVID test 72 hours before they flew. Once they're in South Africa, quarantined for 10 days. After five days, and uh, test again in the quarantine period. When the quarantine is over, they're to take another test 48 hours, two days before they fly to Antarctica. And once they get there, they take another one five days after they get there. But guess what happened on the sixth day? Somebody tested positive. 
Oh, they're all vaccinated. So what am I saying by this? If they can't take, listen, if the best modern ingenuity in medical science cannot take care of people in Antarctica, how in the world can they take care of you and I going to the Walmart in Texarkana, USA? Now, again, I'm not knocking quarantines and vaccines or any of that. I'm just trying to make the point. This pandemic, it's not the first the world has ever faced, but it's the first our generation has faced. And it, it, it is causing people to realize their need for God. And people in this world are afraid. They're troubled. They're scared. They don't know what to do. When, when we, our government has taken best efforts, but we've fallen short. Now airline flights by the thousands are canceled because they can't get crews. Uh, supply chains are disrupted. Uh, a contractor yesterday told me, he said, the part that we ordered for your building now costs twice as much, and it takes me six months to get it because of the supply chain issues related to COVID. Businesses suffer. Our government helps us with money, trillion dollars, and what they give us is not just some change. They give us the highest inflation in 40 years, and now the money we have is worth less. Our schools quarantine the children. They're closing all over America today, but when they quarantine, what they find is they find that the depression, the anxiety, the rate of suicide, the rate of drug and alcohol abuse skyrocket. So what's my point in all this? We need God. Don't just wait for the shaking to stop. We need God. And Christians are not exempt. It happens to us. I've had COVID once or twice. I think I had it again last week. Some kind of virus that had afflicted my body. Now, thankfully, right now we're getting over it, but we're not exempt. But let me tell you what happens. I have watched Christians in crisis like this and other crises. I've watched two things happen. Some Christians, I've watched them fall away from God. I've watched them get disappointed. I've watched them backslide. I've watched them go into the world. And I've seen other Christians get stronger in their adversity. I watched my wife nine years ago when diagnosed with breast cancer. She's nine years cancer-free. Praise the Lord. I have watched her get stronger. I have watched her prayer life go deeper. She has outserved me. She has run circles around me serving the Lord. And her, her spiritual life went deeper. What is the difference? Spiritual maturity. And you and I, as you stand on the precipice of a new year, now listen, in a couple weeks, whatever your world is like, you're going to get in a routine. Whether it's the kids in dance or the kids in volleyball or, 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 or whether it's your hunting or whatever it is. But right now, most people have a little bit of a pause. And I'll tell you this, three things and only three can happen in your life this year. Number one, you can stay where you are spiritually. And some of us are in a pretty good place, but here's the problem I've observed. Have uh, you ever been on a long escalator in an airport? Well, you get on it and it takes you where you want to go. But have you ever watched a little kid get on it and try to run backwards? That's the way the Christian life is like. You have to be outrunning that escalator of the world because if you stop, you're going to be pulled back into your old life. So you can stay where you are. You can backslide. You can go into the world and just hope I'm going to heaven when I die. Or you can put down deep roots. You can grow spiritually as a Christian, and you can be part of the solution in our society. Come on now. That's what I'm believing for, and that's what I'm praying for. Now, let's get into this, this foundation now, my second point. Our Christian life is to be a process of continual spiritual growth. 
We're a church that believes in altar calls. An altar call, for example, I'll offer one at the end of the service. Uh, we believe that there's a moment in time when a person comes to Christ. For me, it was August 15th, 1976, in a Navy boot camp. I asked God to forgive me. I asked Christ to come into my life. And listen, I committed my life to follow him. I was converted. We all the time will ask people, would you like to commit your life to Christ? Sometimes people will raise their hands. We'll do that sometimes. And people will clap. They'll make their way to the cross. But most of them don't make their way to the baptismal. Most of them don't make their way to maturity in Christ. Most of them, I hope they're saved. I don't know if they're saved. But most of them remain baby Christians. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 5 said. He said, you've been believers so long, now you ought to be teaching others. In other words, you've been a Christian, whether it's months or years, you should be able to start helping other people. You should be able to be leading small groups. You should be able to disciple someone. You should be able to share your faith. But instead, you need someone to teach you again the the basic things about God's Word. Now, I hope you're not insulted, but this could be very offensive. You're like a baby. He's talking to Christians. You're like a baby who needs milk and can't eat solid food. Solid food is for the what? The mature. Now, I'm going to suggest to you that Christians, many Christians live in a level of maturity like a two-year-old that needs a pull-up. I'm going to suggest to you, listen, I'm glad when Titus wears a pull-up because that means, come on, he's getting to be a big boy, and one day he's got big boy panties coming. But something, something, see my little Mia sock there? Something is wrong if I get up every day and when I get dressed. I'm ready for church. The pastor didn't shake my hand at the door. I don't have any friends. They talk about money in that church. I'm offended and I'm quitting. I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to write on social media that you're evil people. Now, I'm fully aware that I'm talking about the Saturday night crowd. <laughs> they come to church on Saturday night, go eat, and they may go party. I don't know what they do. But you're the Sunday crowd. It's possible someone sitting behind you, don't look, is wearing a pull-up. Now, this is not the only time it's in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 3, I had to talk to you as though you belong to this world. I thought you belonged to Christ, but you're worldly. You're still a, a, a world as though you were infants or babes in Christ. You're still controlled by your sinful nature. You're living like people of the world. Now, I'm going to tell you things in this Big Ten, practical things, steps you can take, but most importantly is the heart. Most importantly is a heart after God. 
to turn my back on the world and begin to follow Christ. But how many know there's a pattern of growth for little babies? Little Mia, she's five months old right now. And yesterday, I went duck hunting yesterday morning. I came home, and she's in our living room, and Linnell's got her. She's on the floor, and she's old enough where she can see now, you know, 10, 15 feet. And she looks at me, and she just went to giggling and throwing those hands and feet and everything. And she's just cute as she can be. But how many know when you're a little baby, you don't do very much in life? You do a little smiling, a lot of crying. You do a lot of eating, a lot of pooping, and a lot of sleeping. And that's pretty much just what you do. I've never heard Bethany or Linnell complain about it. They're both, you know, they're the prim- they're primary caregivers. I've never heard them say, I can't believe that Mia went to the diaper again. <laughs> but what would happen if little Mia or another guy is, is 30 years old, come on, and perfectly healthy, but they're sitting on the couch at 11 o'clock eating mom's popcorn, microwave popcorn, and drinking Dr. Pepper instead of working. How many know something is wrong with that picture? That child did not grow up. And all I want to suggest to you is it's possible to have the same spiritual lack in our life today. Uh, how many know we're born again uh, as a baby in Christ? We don't know the Bible. We live by our passions. We're selfish. But when we're truly saved, something happens on the inside. How many can say that? Yeah, we start following Jesus. It's a little throne on my heart, and I start getting off, and Jesus gets on that throne. The Bible becomes our guide. We care for other people, not just ourselves. Uh, We find happiness, not just in our hobbies, but we find happiness in serving the Lord and and helping people. Uh, We start telling other people about what Jesus has done. We even use our money to advance God's kingdom. Did it not just warm your heart when you realized that money that you gave funneled through the church and went to a village in, uh, in Bangladesh, the people that we'll never see, that had to go out to a pond, come on now, and drink amoeba-ridden water and get sick, and now they have a water well, come on, they have a church building, they have Bibles, and the Jesus people are there. Well, that brings me, I told my wife the other day, you know, our church is in a good place. It's healthy right now. I told her, I think, honey, I think the thing I enjoy most about the church now is what we're able to do by reaching and empowering people around the world for Christ. This morning, and we'll send you a picture, uh, show you a picture maybe next week, but uh, I was talking to my friends, my pastor friends, and, and uh, Jay Threadgill in Haiti has sent out one of his Haitians because a number of Haitians have left the nation as refugees, and they're living in, I think it's Orlando, and uh, he's going to plant a church in Orlando. And uh, they said, well, it, I asked, well, what's it cost? He said, well, he doesn't have any money. He's doing it on faith, but his rent's 3500 a month, and uh, uh, that includes his sound system. And I said, our church will sponsor a month. And what is it? This is what we do. And why do we do this? Because we're mature Christians. See, what's happened is we're on a process. We got saved and we started a process of spiritual growth. The Bible calls it sanctification, theological word, but here's what it means. It means the act or the process of becoming holy. Now, holy doesn't mean that you're a monk in a monastery. It doesn't mean that you wear certain kind of clothes. Holy simply means this. I'm set apart from the world in sin. I'm set apart to God. I've turned my heart to God. And this process of sanctification, God changes our desires. We turn away from sin in the world, and we start living a life devoted to God. Uh, I've been married to Linnell. It'll be 39 years this year. Uh, I've never had another girlfriend. 
But can you imagine what my marriage would be like if I had girlfriends along the way? And I don't mean just real girlfriends. I mean pornographic girlfriends. I'm telling you, it would not be as good and it would not be the same if she had to forgive me and hire detectives after me and follow me wherever I went. But I gave my life to her exclusively. Come on now. And I don't feel like I've lost anything. I feel I, I, I have what I was looking for and I found it in my wife. Well, guess what? God is what we're looking for. And we find it in Jesus. And his commands are not a bummer, but they become the joy of our life. Now, let, let, me, let me shift my third point. Why do we need to pursue spiritual maturity? And let me say this. It doesn't happen automatically. How I many know that kid doesn't start wearing pull-ups and big boy pants automatically? Mommy's got to use gummies. Come on now. Mommy's got to use threats. She's got to, you know, she's got to do stuff. But let me, let me, let me tell you something biblical. It's from the parable of the sower. And if you know the Bible, a parable is simply, it's, it's, it's Jesus using natural examples in the world to talk about spiritual truth. And the parable of the sower, he's talking about sowing seed, and the seed represents the Word of God. And that seed's going to fall on four places. It'll fall on rocky soil. It'll fall among weeds. Uh, it'll fall on good soil. But I'm just going to look at one of them because the soil is the heart. And we get to determine what kind of seed of God falls in our hearts. Listen to Mark chapter 4. A farmer went out to plant some seed. He scattered it across his field. Some seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. Maybe in your yard, you're, you're replanting your yard, and, 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 and some of the grass seed gets on the sidewalk, and it comes up. And some grass seed gets next to the concrete drive or the, the gravel, and it comes up anyway. Well, verse 6, the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. Why? Because it didn't have... It died. It didn't have deep roots. Again, this is not about plants. It's about people. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message. That's the Bible, the words of Christ. And they immediately receive it with joy. But because they don't have roots, because they don't mature, because they don't go deeper in their walk with God, guess what happens? Uh, they don't last very long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for the Word of God. And can I tell you, friends, Jesus said in this world we're going to have trouble. It's coming. There could be another round of COVID. We don't know. Who knows what it could be? It could be economic things. It could be a world war with Russia and the Ukraine, uh, those Iranians. Listen, people have hypersonic missiles in North Korea. I mean, we just don't know what could happen in the world tomorrow. But I'm telling you, friends, no matter what happens, you can still be at peace. You can still have confidence in living because your life is rooted in Christ. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand. Well, this is why I want to do this series. I want to show you how to grow deep spiritual roots. But I want to give you another reason to become spiritually mature, not just for trouble. I mean, no, that's for us. There's something, let me read verse 20. The seed that fell on good soil, that's the heart, represents those who hear and accept God's word. And what do they do? They produce a harvest. 30, 60, 100 times as much has been planted. So what's the message in this? The goal of the Christian life is bearing fruit. 
In other words, God has a plan for your life. God has something for you to do. If you're a high school student, raise your hand at me if you're a high school student. Wave your hand. High school or college? Yeah, don't be embarrassed. Come on, wave your hand at me here. All right, listen. God has a plan for you, whether you're in the classroom or whether you're in the, the ball field. God wants you to be able to reach your friends for Christ. If you're in the working world, the same thing. God has a plan for our lives to be productive, to do something with our life. We don't just believe in Jesus to go to heaven when we die. We believe in Jesus to serve him now. Um, uh, when I was 21 years old, I was called to ministry to do what I'm doing today. Uh, my father-in-law was here. He, he's the one that gave that prophecy earlier. They're with us uh, several months, maybe longer. He's had some medical things going on. He's doing good. He's done with his treatment. We rejoice in that. But uh, he'll... He'll remember a man. It was a George, uh, George, George Evans. And we had what's called a prophetic presbytery. And these prophets or elders came in, laid their hands on me. And the first thing out of his mouth was a shepherd's hearts in this young man. Now, he didn't know me from Adam, but what it did, something leapt in my heart because I knew what God had called me to do. The only problem is I wasn't ready to do it. It took 10 years. My father-in-law groomed me for 10 years there in California. I came here in my early 30s, still over my head. But as I've grown through the years, God has matured me to do what we're doing today. See, everyone has a, a there's a plan for that. Uh, everyone's got a plan. You know, my heroes are getting older and some are beginning to die. Uh, James Dobson is a huge hero of mine. Uh, CBN, you know, Pat Robertson, and, you know, I think of a D. James Kennedy, and, I mean, you know, just some great men, Billy Graham. And as I look at their lives, I also see church members that grow older, and I listen to these people as their life is coming to an end. And some of the people say, I wish I'd have done more with my life for God. I wish I would have invested my life in doing something that matters eternally. But yet those that did, those that made the sacrifice, those that paid the price are resoundingly saying, I'm so glad I serve the Lord. Now I look forward to a heavenly reward. Come on, somebody give the Lord a hand. Well, listen, let me wrap this up. I want you to get this little flyer that I gave you today. And this is not a throwaway. I hope you'll put it in your pocket, put it in your Bible, put it somewhere because you can start on these things immediately. Now, I'm going to, in my preaching in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about these. Next week, we're going to talk about what it means to really be saved. I think much of the Christian church is oblivious to what true conversion means. I don't mean about repentance and believing in Jesus. I mean about what the Christian life is intended to be. But these next things, again, I've pastored 40 years. I've watched some Christians finish strong, and I've watched some Christians fall away. I have found universally that the people who have this dynamic in their life, they're doing these things on a regular basis. They have these experiences. Their hearts tender towards God. They are growing strong spiritually. We'll talk about why being a part of a local church is so important. We'll talk about baptism, baptism in water and baptism in the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about daily prayer and Bible reading like I did today. Listen, that's a no-brainer. Start that Proverbs challenge. Uh, we'll talk about why we do some of these foundation classes. Uh, we'll talk about f connecting with friends, relationships, small group. How many know you're going to become like the people you hang out with? And how many know if you're starting to backslide, if you're starting to slip into pornography, if you're starting to slip away from your spouse, I'm not going to know about it. 
but your close circle of friends will. And you'll either have Christian friends that encourage you to stay on God's track, or you'll have worldly friends that are saying, going for it, I knew you were going to do it anyway. Uh, we'll talk about serving God. That's significance for your life. Every one of us in here will one day stand before God, and he'll say, what did you do? We'll talk about sharing our faith. That's like being a lifeguard, rescuing people that are drowning. We'll talk about our finances. I mean, Jesus said where your treasure is. Yeah. And if the great commandment is to love the Lord with all my heart, how in the world am I going to be all God wants me to be until my finances have matured in their handling? And then lastly, a short-term missions trip. If there's one thing that I would say to modern-day Christians in America, if you want to see change and transformation come to your life, get out of America, go to the third world, and touch the passion and fire of God and simplicity of life. It'll make you a better Christian. So anyway, this is where we're going in the coming weeks. You take that and begin to step towards these things, and I can give you ultimate assurance it'll work. Now, let me, let me, let me close the message today. And if you tune me out, tune me back in. If you're in the middle of making your order at Cracker Barrel or wherever, just put it on hold. Just, just take the next one in line. And I want to ask you a real serious question. What do you want your spiritual life to be in 2022? What kind of person? Remember the house that we looked at? Life is going to happen. And when life happens, are you going to be like the life on the left or the house or the one on the right? Are you satisfied where you are? Or, or wherever, listen, you could have been a Christian two months, 20 years, or 50 years. Are you satisfied where you are, or is there something in your heart that I want more? Now, I want to read a closing scripture, and it is, in my opinion, one of the most provocative scriptures in all the Bible. It was written by what I believe is the greatest Christian in the New Testament, Paul the Apostle. Now, think about this. Paul's conversion began when he heard God talk from heaven. He was blinded by the light. A few days later, he receives a healing miracle and his eyes are open. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And then this guy says this, the only person recorded in the Bible, he said, I went to the third heaven. The, literally, there's heavens, you know, it starts the sky that we see. Then there's the far reaches of heaven that the telescope sees. And then there's the place where God lives. And he said, I went to heaven and I saw things I can't tell anybody else. Now, with that background, listen to what this man said when it comes to spiritual maturity. Philippians 3, verse 10, I want to know Christ. Well, I thought you already knew Christ. He probably knew Christ at some level. I knew Linnell when she was 17, came back from YWAM in her dad's church. I knew her as I dated her. I know her in a far more intimate way 39 years, 40-something years later. Paul said, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power that raised him from the dead. And listen to this. I want to become like him. Who's your hero? Now, you're not going to be God. Mormons believe that one day you'll evolve and you'll become godlike. You're not going to be God. But Paul said, I want the values, the character, the passion, the holiness, the obedience that Christ had. I want to be, I want to know him. I want to become like him. And then he says this very humbling statement. I don't mean that I've already as God wants me to be, but there's one thing I do. Now hear me. I forget the past and I strain towards what's ahead. Many of us in this room today, like me, I've got things about my past that I'm ashamed of. 
I've got things that I don't want to repeat. I've got things that are bad. But I've got good things about my past that I want to rejoice in, but I don't want to just live in the past. I want to go on for a brand new year. He said, I want to forget the past and I want to strain towards what's ahead. In other words, I don't want to be casual in my Christian life. Uh, right now, something the Lord has me doing, um, I, I, I usually sleep real good. But sometimes, I, like this morning, I was going to get up at 6.30 for church, start my little routine, and I woke up at 5.30. And lately, the Holy Spirit has been asking me when I wake up that close, you know, to get, you know, that's when the snooze alarm is for. And uh, I tell you what I want to do at 5.30, I want to take another melatonin and go for it again. But the Holy Spirit is asking me, he's allowing me to stay in bed, but he's asking me to just pray and pray in the Spirit and use that transition time. Well, guess what? That's a strain for me. I don't want to do that. My wife's had trouble sleeping ever since her chemo began. You know what? She gets up in the middle of all hours of the night and I hear a fire is burning. She's praying and she's reading God. She's not watching reruns and leave it to Beaver. There is a straining that comes in life that we've got to willingly choose Verse 14, I keep trying to reach the goal and get the prize for which God has called me. All of us who are spiritually mature should think this way too. And I don't know about you, but that's the way that I want to think, come on, as we go into this new year. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to get off this pull-up. Come on. I'm ready for big boy pants, and, and you may be ready for big girl pants. Get rid of those pull-ups. Come on, and let's be what God's called us to be as we go into this new year. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet, and we're going we're to have a closing prayer. Now, don't check out just yet. We're going to have a closing song and a prayer, and then we dismiss. But uh, I, I want to ask you this question. The Bible says in the book of James, don't just be a hearer of the word of God. Be a what? Be a doer. Again, I want to ask you, what are you going to do in your spiritual life in this new year? There's no better time to make a commitment than right now. This Proverbs challenge, it's a no-brainer. And I bet you when you start reading Proverbs, you're going to want to jump in the New Testament and read Timothy. Start now. Start letting your roots go deeper. So when storms come, you've built your life on the rock. And you'll be strong, but you'll be strong for other people. You'll be strong in your neighborhood. You'll be strong on the ball team. You'll be strong in your family. You'll be strong in the workplace. The boss will come to you and say, listen, there's trouble out there. <laughs> They're wanting us to wait six months before our payment, and I don't have the money to float, and I don't know what to do. Would you pray for me? That's what strength happens is it draws people. See, we're salt and light in the world, which means we know the right way. The world is, they've lost their minds. But we're salt and light to show people the way to go. And if I could beg and plead with you right now, make a commitment to God. I'm growing spiritually in this new year. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to pray every day. And if I miss a day, I'm not going to get guilty. I'm just going to pick it up the next day. Close your eyes just a moment and I want you to just talk to God. Wherever the Holy Spirit is reminding you of things, wherever things are coming to your mind, just say, yes, Lord. Just say yes.
I'm willing, God. And I want you to be honest with the Lord and say, Lord, it's hard. Particularly when it comes to bad habits, to sins in my life. I've got to be honest, I like them. My flesh likes them. But when you convict me of something, I want to ask you to give me the grace to walk away from it. Others are here today, and there's things that God's calling them to do, and you just don't know if you can do it. Say yes to God. Welcome. Once again, slip your hands to heaven and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come on all over the building. It's an act of surrender. You're reaching out to God and say, Holy Spirit, I can't be what you want me to be unless you help me. And my uplifted hands are my way of saying, help me, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody say it. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm glad you're here. Lord willing, we'll do this again Wednesday night, and uh, we'll do it again next weekend. But let's close this way. I want our prayer team to come back to the altar. There's typically some people that want prayer when the service is over. Uh, it, 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 it may be a personal need you have, or it might be something we preached about today. You know God's asking you something. Stay with me now just a second. Stay with me just a second, okay? Eyeball to eyeball. Eyeball to eyeball. It may be something in your life that you know is going to be hard that God's asking you to do, and you simply want to come and ask somebody to pray. We'll pray about anything. But let me tell you the most important thing we'd like to pray about today. Mia is a wonderful little girl, but Mia had the day of her birth. And she began to act like a person on the day of her birth. Well, guess what? There's a spiritual rebirth. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. You can't be good enough to go to heaven. You can't do enough good works. You can't give enough money to go to heaven. How many know we're saved by the grace of God? You're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God. Let no one boast on their own works. For me, it was August 15th, 1976. It was a defining moment in my life. It's like I was driving a car and I came to a T in the road. And I had to either choose Christ or reject Christ. And I wonder if you're here today and say, Pastor, I need to start a relationship with God today. I need to get back on track with Christ today. And I want to renew my commitment to the Lord. I'm ready to profess that I believe in Christ and I want to follow Him as my Lord and my Savior in this new year. And that's the commitment I make today. If that's you, would you be as bold to just lift your hand right now and say, pray for me, Pastor. God bless you, and God bless you, and God bless you. I want to commit my life. God bless you. Others, raise your hand. I want to commit my life to Christ today. God bless you too. I want to recommit my life to the Lord today. Anyone else? I want to commit or recommit. God bless you too, dear. Listen, angels in heaven are rejoicing over you right now. Here's how we're going to close. If you want prayer during this song, I want you to come up here. You that lifted your hand, I want to invite you to come and meet Pastor Mike at the cross. He's going to pray with you about whatever commitment you're making, and he's also going to give you some things that's going to help you in your spiritual journey. If you'd like me to help you, if you'll give me your cell number, I've got a 10 pre-recorded little videos. They're about three minutes long that'll help you grow spiritually, and I know it'll be meaningful. So go ahead and begin to sing, Pastor Zach. You want prayer, come to the altar. If you're committing or recommitting your life to Christ, please come to the cross, and we'd love to speak to you in just a moment. God bless you. I love you.